0: Yes, we're a food bank. We collect and distribute
1: an impressive amount of food, but that's not all.
0: We're a hub of caring people doing all we can to end poverty and hunger and improve health. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mid-Ohio Food Collective podcast. Everyone at the table.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm the host of Everyone at the Table, Scott Light. We are so excited to be launching Season 2 of the Mid-Ohio Food Collective Podcast. And what better month to do it than September? It is Hunger Action Month. Hunger lives here, and so does help. In just a little bit, we're going to take you, all of our listeners, to the Schottenstein Center, where nearly 200,000 meals were packed up, and then we helped distribute them. It was an awesome Effort and we'll take you there. First, though, we're going to begin with a local professional writer and editor right here in Columbus who really embraces the three pillars of volunteer, advocate, and donate. Ana Picanela, welcome to everyone at the table. It's good to have you here.
0: Thank you, Scott. It's good to be here.
1: So, how were you first introduced to volunteering here at the Food Collective?
0: So, I was introduced uh, to Mid Ohio Food Collective. By volunteering here at the Grove City location, what I call a mothership, Um, I joined a group of coworkers, and we came and did the food packing and checking of expiration dates and things like that. Um, After that, I got on the email list, and so from then on, I started getting urgent emails, urgent need emails, um, and one of them was about the Norton Market Mm -hmm. that had opened recently. This was last year in... Uh, April or May. Um, And so it's a closer location to me. Um, I thought, let's try it. Let's see what that's about. And um, yeah, and so I started going there from then on.
1: It just went from there. And boy, you really teed up my next question, because that's what I want to talk about the the Norton mid Ohio market there. Tell our listeners how this place has really come to be a very special place to you.
0: When I first went there, I actually had no idea what to expect, really. Um, I I keep calling it a pantry, actually, but it's so much more. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a market. It's set up as a grocery store. um, And there's, even in the many different ways that you can volunteer from Mid-Ohio, this one, even in this location, there are a lot of different ways that you can volunteer. Um, And when I went there for the first time, they... um, put me as a registration person so I registered the customers that come into shop and it turned out that the fact that I'm a native Spanish speaker uh, was very helpful um, because a lot of the population that comes to the or the customers that come to the uh, market are Spanish speakers mm-hmm. and so um, I remember sitting there and welcoming people and you know there were very long lines and um But by the end of the shift, I was just hooked. It's now Fridays are pantry days for Mm me. Um, I get to look forward to it all week. It's incredibly fulfilling. Um, It's very rewarding to know that also I can help in a very specific and particular way. And that I can bring part of me into the volunteering.
1: I want to pick up and, and dive in a little bit more about your tremendous Spanish speaking skills in this way, because we've talked on previous episodes about pantries and markets having foods that our diverse populations need and want, whether it's Hispanic, Indian, Asian, other other populations as well. So speaking the same language is yet another way to deepen those relationships with people who come through the door
0: when they come in, I typically, I never assume that someone is from any sure. particular location. Um, but sometimes I see them hesitate and I make the assumption and and I say, you know, see, sí, español, and, and immediately on their face just lights up because they have found someone that can understand them better mm-hmm. and, and well. Um, and like I said, it's not it it's definitely not an obstacle not to know the language but it's a very big advantage and it makes I think it makes a big difference in them feeling like they have someone that understands them and uh, can explain things you know in a way that makes sense and um, I it's funny too because as a Uruguayan I have a very specific Spanish accent that most of these people don't have because they're um from like northern or central south america okay. so um yeah so typically they cannot spot me they think i'm from argentina which is <laughs> uh for uruguayans not a compliment but um but yeah so i pronounce things a little bit differently than they do but that even like uh, there was one time that i uh, um and a guy was there, and he was trying to figure out what something was. And it was a sweet potato. And, and I said what we call a sweet potato in Uruguay. And he kept looking at me like he had no idea what I was talking about. That's and then another customer came by, and she said what they call it in Colombia. And eventually, we I think we figured out a way to get him to understand <laughs> what it was. But um, it's it's very interesting. And when they ask, for example, about... Uh, Sometimes customers will want to know what something is, what a product is Mm -hmm. and the ingredients, Mm -hmm. the, you know, whether it contains gluten, whether it contains meat, um, dairy, they will not be able to tell if, you know, the product contains it or not because Mm -hmm. the labels will be in English. So that's another way where it helps to be able to speak the language because then I can, you know, hold on a second, I can read it and then, you know, do my best to translate Um, and I guess from a cultural perspective, it's really fascinating to me when I see products that are not, um, something that I even find terribly familiar that, you know, they will not go as quickly as some of the other, you know, products that are there. Like egg beaters, for example, if you are from the U S you probably don't think twice about it, Mm -hmm. but if you're from somewhere else, liquid eggs just doesn't sound like (laughs) particularly normal. Um, so Um, yeah, so better to have actual eggs when, when that's the case that those will go very quickly.
1: You know, if you think about it as well, you are bringing the anxiety level down. You are bringing the heart rate down quite literally as people are coming in the door in those first five or 10 seconds, that that's a tremendous thing.
0: It, it is, it is, and especially if the customer is new, and they have to then, um, they, it's, a, it's a quick process, but they have to set up an account, and for that, you need to ask for the ID, and you need to take their name, their address, phone number, and there are a lot of people that are brand new to the area, um, or, you know, and that in itself is, you know, it, some people feel anxiety about, there's a uh, button that after you... Uh, register them they say I accept and it's you know terms and conditions but you know they don't know what they're hitting they don't know what they're pressing on and so uh, being able to explain those things um, and yeah so so it's it's very and, and sometimes I feel bad for the the other people that are registering because their relief and their you know like oh okay I'm coming to you is is so clear and so but it I mean it's spontaneous it just comes out and sure you know uh, um yeah the, the it feels amazing it feels amazing to be that person for that customer that you know it could be the first time they show up mm-hmm. or it could be you know um i mean i during the world cup i talked to almost every south american that showed up about the world wow. cup and wow. you know the different soccer games and um, so yeah it's it's culturally language based um, you know the like I said the ingredients uh, so many things that you would not being a native speaker of whatever language um, you you live in I guess. Um, You wouldn't think about it, but it makes a big difference.
1: I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, September is Hunger Action Month. The Mid-Ohio Food Collective was involved in a mammoth effort on September 11th, which is now a national day of service. Hundreds of volunteers gathered at the Schottenstein Center near the campus of The Ohio State University to pack, how about this number, folks, 180,000 plus meals. So we went there. In fact, we talked to the person in charge of the whole thing. So Anna, we're going to bring her into this conversation as well. Melissa Lounsbury is vice president for the organization Kids Around the World, and she travels the world doing these events, organizing these very events. But here's the deal. Melissa grew up in Upper Arlington, and she is a Buckeye herself. So when they started planning this event, she just absolutely... Had to be here. Well, Alyssa, first of all, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here.
2: Thank you, Scott. It's good to be with you.
1: Let's begin by setting this scene here at the Schottenstein Center.
2: All right. So, right now it's bright and early in the morning. We're setting up 49 assembly lines and making room for 500 volunteers to come serve with us today. So, when those volunteers get here, they're going to stand around those assembly lines in groups of 10 and pack meals for the Mid Ohio Food Collective. So they're just—they're not just packing some meals. They're packing 180,000 meals today.
1: That is a tremendous number. And from what I understand, you do this all around the country.
2: I do. I have the privilege of serving at events like this all year round. Uh, to uh, this year, our organization will host about 160 events with different organizations across the country.
1: When you look at this event, um, it has. All of your events I know are, are super special to you, but let's talk about this one personally because you wanted to come back for this one. And, and I use that verbiage purposefully because Ohio State is your alma mater. You grew up in Upper Arlington. So what is this event like? What is it like being back on this campus now?
2: I'll tell you what, it's super. Just, um, I get goosebumps walking into the Schottenstein Center and being in Buckeye territory again. Um, So it's very special. A lot of my family's here serving with me today. And just to be able to give back to the community that I just have incredible memories of growing up in this very special place.
1: Was there something early in your childhood in Central Ohio, you know, Midwestern values? What was it about this place, Central Ohio, and maybe Ohio State, layered into that, that maybe led to your career about giving?
2: You bet. Um, so growing up in a Burlington, uh, you know, I I grew up understanding um, that one of the most important things. That I can do on this earth is to love my neighbors. And that was planted real deeply in me from a very young age. And um, the community kind of reemphasized that. I loved growing up as a golden bear and surrounded by um, a community that really supported one another. And then when I was a freshman at Ohio State, I attended a, um, an informational meeting for the Peace Corps. And that laid the groundwork for something that would happen a decade later in my life when I went and served uh, in the Peace Corps in Senegal, West Africa, for two and a half years. That experience showed me, um, well, it gave me a different worldview. It showed me the plight of a lot of people Mm. in a lot of places around the world and um, things that I was largely unaware of growing up. But um, my heart began to... It's okay. That's okay.
1: That's okay. You get emotional. Uh, That's okay.
2: Yeah. Um, Something changed in my heart when I saw the huge need that so many people have in this life. And from that time forward, I've committed my professional career and a lot of my personal life to um, trying to help be a part of the solution to love my neighbor. I've always understood that to him who has been given much, much will be required. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an honor to be able to give, to serve or to give financially, um, and just have an impact so that other people, um, you know, take the load off of someone else a little bit by sharing that load.
1: And you think about food. That is about the most personal thing you can give someone, that you can provide someone.
2: Yeah, you bet. Um, Over the course of um, my profession in – in the nonprofit sector, I've worked with a lot of people who are just hungry. Um, it's hard to meet any other need before you meet that need. And it's the, it is foundational not only to um, help someone to physically survive, but to start to offer them hope. Can you imagine waking up in the morning thinking, I wonder if I'm going to get to eat today? Mm-hmm. You can't function in a place of hope when you're concerned about whether you're going to eat Today or tomorrow.
1: And we talk about this on this podcast, young people in Ohio, one in five young people in central Ohio are food insecure. So think about that young person in school and they're trying to learn. They're trying to develop their interpersonal skills. They're trying to play sports. They're trying to be in the band. They're trying to be on a, on a theater stage, whatever they may be doing. And if they're hungry and wondering if they're going to get food when they get home or when they wake up in the morning, to your point, if there's going to be breakfast. That that gets me a little choked up because that makes life so much more difficult.
2: Yeah, not only physically but psychologically Everything. too. Yeah everything. Yeah. It's hard to go to school. Um, we've probably all skipped breakfast a few times sure. and maybe even lunch. Um, and you know, if you're a breakfast eater, you know, that it's hard to function if, if you haven't had that morning nutrition and especially for kids in school. Um, so when food insecurity is a, a part of their reality, um, success in school becomes that much harder.
1: I have to ask if you majored in logistics at, here at Ohio State because when I walk the floor of the shot coming to set up our podcast equipment, it is it's amazing what is set up out there. I mean, you have this down in terms of those stations, and you've got your volunteers getting ready to come in and to assemble these
2: hundred and eighty
1: thousand meals. How do you do this?
2: Yeah. So I didn't major in logistics, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the last 10 years of life have taught me a lot about that. Um, we have a great team. Uh, we've built some systems that make it really turnkey for people to, to host an event. And we show up and set these tables up in all different kinds of venues and really try to make the, the experience great for the volunteer.
1: How many volunteers does it take to put on an event like this?
2: Behind the scenes, it takes about 10 to 15 people to set up, and then um, once the meal packing starts, uh, it's totally scalable. So you could have a group of 50, or you could have a group of 5,000. So the size of this event today is about twice the size of our normal event. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, across, um, well, there will be 18 cities meal packing today, uh, and this one is is about average. And uh, we have the privilege of hosting seven of those. Uh, So our organization will be packing two and a half million of those six and a half million meals that will be packed today with the 9-11 Day Organization.
1: That's amazing. You are Vice President of Mission Advancement for an organization called Kids Around the World. Tell us about this organization.
2: At the heart of what we do is we just want to bring hope to kids around the world, just like the name says um, here in our own neighborhoods and around the world. So we do that. We have a three-prong approach, and we call it food play story. So first we meet the the very critical need like we've talked about for food, meeting their basic needs. We also have a program where we recycle or upcycle playgrounds from the states and refurbish them and take them overseas and plant them at orphanages and schools in um, developing countries. And uh, the third part is story, and that's where we share the story of God's Word with them. And the reason I love these events so much is it gives people a time to pause from their normal day-to-day, to to serve physically physically. And to also just reflect and become more aware of the reality for so many families that are facing food insecurity. You're standing around that packing line for two hours, packing thousands of thousands of meals in that whole time. You know, you have the opportunity to process these meals really mean something to people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who are your volunteers? Who's going to be here today?
2: Yeah, so we have um, fifteen different corporations uh, that are sponsoring this event with us, and they're sending teams from their own uh, employee base. And then we also have um, g- people coming from the general public, and most importantly, forty very special um, veterans coming to oh, serve with us. Oh, that's terrific!
1: Today. Where can people find out more information? I bet you there are people listening to this episode right now, and they're going, "You know what? I want to find out where they're next." event is. Couldn't be there on 9-11, but I want to find out where they're doing more of these in the future. Where can people get more information?
2: You bet. You can get a hold of us at kidsaroundtheworld.com uh, or you can check out the 9-11 Day organization at 911day.org. Um, we do this every year with them on 9-11 Day, uh, so there's always opportunity each year for that.
1: Lastly, Melissa, um, will it be hard to leave? Will it be hard to leave the Ohio State University? I mean, are you going to take that mental snapshot, you know, of, uh, of just campus? Uh, maybe several mental snapshots before you, before you go on to the next oh, location.
2: Yeah, Scott, I never fully leave. <laughs> Part of my heart is always here. But yes, every time that I, I come and have to take off on that airplane, uh, there's a little bit of tear in my heart.
1: Safe travels. Um, thank you for joining us uh, for this portion of the podcast, Melissa.
2: Thanks so much, Scott.
1: Melissa mentioned they do this every year in various locations around the country. She was, of course, referring to her organization, Kids Around the World. This was actually the first 9-11 day event here in central Ohio. So we certainly hope this becomes an annual event for all of us here. Back here with Anna now, and Anna, when you hear about that huge event at the Schottenstein Center, all those volunteers coming out, and of course all of those meals then distributed by the Food Collective, going to our friends and neighbors here in Central Ohio.
0: I think it's incredible, actually. I mean, I'd, I had no idea um, when I first started volunteering at Mid Ohio Food Collective how much they did or how many different things they did. I'm still learning because I have not been volunteering for, you know, there there are people that have been volunteering for decades, literally. Um, and, you know, they have the food markets, they have the pantry, they have pharmacy, they have a farm. Um, it's, it's amazing. I mean, and the logistics of it. Like when you're there and you see the trucks come with all the produce or all the uh, products and you know the internal organization for. I mean, it it really takes a big team and a big workers and volunteers. Um, and I'm I mean I'm humbled by everything they do, and it, I'm very happy that they have provided me with such a way to help um, because it's meaningful to me too. So. It
1: was awesome. I will tell you when I went down to the Schottenstein Center and and I got to pull my car in because I had the podcast equipment to to unload. And I parked very close to one of the mid-Ohio Food Collective tractor trailers mm-hmm. and just, you know, seeing the logo and just seeing, and I just thought, okay, that's where those meals are going and they're, they're about to head on out. And it was just awesome, right, just having that visual, that optic right there, just knowing that here we go.
0: Yeah, and I would encourage anyone that's volunteering in any part of, in, of the process of getting this food out, like that was packaging or, mm-hmm. you know, checking the expiration dates or then helping at the market. I think it's nice to see the life cycle of the yeah. uh, process and all of the steps it takes. And I'm sure that people could find where they fit um, because that requires different skills and different, you know, mindsets and um, so so yeah, no, I, I think that's incredible.
1: As always, to our listeners, you can access all of our resources online at MOFC.org. But we also have dedicated resources for Hunger Action Month at MOFC.org slash action. Go there because there's all kinds of resources, videos, and some really cool stuff. Because really the most important word this month for Hunger Action Month is action. And Anna, when you and I were talking before we, we came to our studio here at the Food Collective, you were telling me that when it comes to your volunteering, when you don't do it, when you don't have that action in your life, that you miss it.
0: I do. I do. I um, Like I said, Fridays are pantry days. And um, when I don't do it, I just don't feel like my week is complete. Um, I... Also, do you think that um, action is way louder than words? Um, And, you know, at the pantry, when I go, I I get to see Nathan and Josh and Julian and Alani and mi amiga Gladys, all the people that work there that are amazing people that do this day in, day out. Um, And I get to see the regulars, and um, it, it just... I can bring everything I am... Including my background, my where I'm from, my upbringing into the pantry. And I, I end up, I feel, getting more than they get mm. um, because there's no way to, to give without getting back. So, my week is not complete mm. if I don't go.
1: And you know what I'm betting? Those customers say, Boy, when I get to go to the Norton Road Market, there's this great lady there, Anna. <laughs> who's there at the front door and she's got the greatest smile and she answers all of my questions and she's there every Friday and I just love seeing her. I'm sure that is said and has been said many, many times.
0: Oh, I hope so. I don't know. I, I hope so. I I'm, hope so.
1: I am sure of it. Anna. I want to pick up on that word action in one more sense here. And that is you also see the real urgency for action, um, for more volunteers.
0: Yeah. So, um, the work that's being done is incredible, and I think Mid Ohio Food Collective is doing everything it can to to help these people. Um, but they can't they cannot do it without volunteers. And so I I see often in in my visits at the pantry to the pantry or the market um, the long lines of people that are waiting outside sometimes to just get a ticket so that they can come back and have their place in line to get in and do their groceries. Um, sometimes it's raining, it's cold, it's hot, and they just stand there sometimes for two hours, perhaps. Um, And if there's not enough volunteers to register them, the line doesn't go as quickly. And, you know, when I go, um, the Mid-Ohio Collective has a great volunteer website where you can pick the days that are best for you the hours that are best for you um but i know every time that i go in there when i see 15 spots open i i worry for the market because i wonder if they're going to have enough people to do what they need to do Um, and so another thing is to the the value of of doing the regular volunteering if you can Um, I think the one day that you described is amazing, and everything counts, right? Like every opportunity to volunteer is a good one. Um, but you know, sometimes um, in the winter, or for example, this last March when the SNAP uh, benefits were removed, the the extra ones for COVID nineteen were removed. You know, I know that they needed extra help. Why? Because the people were going to be in greater need because those benefits had would be cut. Um, so yeah, so anything you can do, if there is a way that you can do it weekly, monthly, whatever it is, but, and also think about the, the times when they may be in greater need. Like Mm -hmm. for example, I mean, now, now the holidays are going to be popular and they're going to get great participant participation probably. Um, but yeah, the food insecurity doesn't end in January. So, um, so doing anything you can to keep volunteering, um, I think it's it's really going to be helpful to them.
1: Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here f- for this episode.
0: Sure. You're welcome.
1: Thanks to Melissa Lounsbury as well, and thanks too, to the more than 350 volunteers who packed those nearly 200,000 meals at the Schottenstein Center back on September 11th. The collective was honored. To be there that day, and then to distribute those meals after. To you, our listeners, we always want to thank you because when you listen to these episodes, when you tell people about them, that gets the word out, that drives advocacy, creates change, and makes an important impact for all of our neighbors. For more information on anything you heard today, you can always visit our website, MOFC.org. So until the next time, this is the Mid-Ohio Food Collective Podcast, Everyone at the Table.